It's now my great pleasure to introduce a person who is our speaker this morning, someone who truly is wide open, and he always encourages us to be pulled by love rather than pushed by pain, our very own Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Welcome. Let's take our time today. We're talking about uh, time after time today. Asset or liability. And all we have is right now. This is it. This is the eternal moment. And so my... um, commitment to this moment is to be in this present moment with you in as aware and as awake as possible. And when we're there, then we're in the being. And time has no measure. It's being right here. And then when we're in the being, we take it to life, which is the continuum of our activities. We got up this morning we dressed, had breakfast, all the things that we do. But our opportunity is to bring that being to this moment. And so I'm going to invite you to, if you would like to stand and sing with me, take your time standing. Let your body rise, support it beautifully. If you decide to stay seated, that's a beautiful thing too. And feel your breath. Feel the breathing go in and out. It's beautiful. It's one way to, it's a, it's a portal to the grounding of the present moment. Now let's sing and say some words together. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, There's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room in this very room in this very room one life one perfect life God's life, Spirit's life. And I claim that life in this moment as my own and invite you to claim it for yourself as well. What I know in that invocation, in that opening, is the awareness and the presence of this timeless vibration is here now. To fall in love with one's life is to be in love with Spirit, lovers of God the ecstatic moment, the opportunities, this 
beautiful stillness is our opportunity in each day and to move and have our being from that stillness the peace that passeth all understanding is my my knowing for myself and everything that lines up with that and everything that informs that and supports that as I move this day continues to build outward and upward in my experience and so the things that line up with that show up in my life this afternoon at lunch at dinner this evening with family and friends or perhaps in the beautiful solitude of your own life whatever it is to welcome that experience it blesses our physical form it blesses our soul it blesses every aspect of our being and that blessing radiates out into the world and that is enough love in this in this room for all of the world and so that is my vow that is my commitment that is my knowing and appreciation and gratitude for every good thing presenting itself in my awareness and your your awareness to continue to activate and turn that switch on in our being I'm grateful for and with that said I release these words in gratitude knowing they're already done and together we say and so it is thank you Brown thank you Al I know Al's in earshot because he came up after the first service I didn't see him and he said man I love hearing you talk and Al I love hearing you sing what a beautiful voice to whatever the call might be was the song we just heard time and time again asset or liability in 2005 Adriana Ilescu age 67 became the oldest mother in recorded history to give birth to a baby girl using in vitro fertilization Actually, one of our members, Johnny Ezekiel and his wife, Aggie, they're traveling this week. Uh, Aggie carried her grandchild for her daughter. I don't know if you know that about Aggie, but a beautiful experience. And they both just light up with joy and appreciation. But isn't it remarkable where we are in terms of possibility? Andrea Ilescu said this to reporters when they asked her about her experience. It's a, she was quoted, a little sports, a little activity, and an active intellectual life lead the body to become younger because there are hormones generated in the brain to make you feel better. Duh. Do we not know this? We know this, right? But it's so good to have the conversation and share it. And to share it and share it and share it. 50% of Americans, because Deepak wrote in America, he didn't write in Canada, but just statistically, because kind of, I think it spills over a little bit into the Canadian culture. 50% of Americans consider 70, 70 years old to be middle age. And old age is after 80. Who just shouted, we? Old age is after 80. So the problem that we, the challenge, the opportunity, however we characterize it, the body evolves and erodes simultaneously. The body evolves and erodes simultaneously. The the surest way to escape the clutches of time is to keep evolving. I pulled out the 16th sonnet by Shakespeare this morning. I was going to share it with you, but I could do. A, I looked at it and I said I could do a whole talk on the 16th sonnet. But in it, what the sonnet talks about is the tyranny of time. It was the mindset then too. And, and what it, the 16th sonnet is about a man who realizes that his life is going to end, 
And he's at the, uh, in, the, in the second half, and he's being encouraged in the sauna to give birth to a child, a new generation. And I, I thought, isn't it interesting how the themes just continue to recur and recur and recur? And in Shakespeare's time, what was a life expectancy? 30 years? Remarkable what we've happened, or less. Laura's giving me the thumbs down. Deepak says this, and it's, it lines up beautifully with what we teach. Awareness can change any energy pattern at will. Awareness can change any energy pattern at will. And how we deal with time, how we interact with time, is an energy pattern. Has anyone ever had a deadline? Do you realize the word deadline has a dead in it? And if you don't get to the finish line in time, what happens? You're dead. Maybe not physically, but that's, that's the, the anxiety that we have around the wording, the deadline. Evolution does not telegraph what the, most, the next creative step will be. That's why Al's song is so beautiful. If we show up awake and aware and we're in present moment, if we're in the being, if we're in co-creation, there's a divine intelligence that is in and through and as all of life. And once we develop the vocabulary and the openness to that guidance, then what wants to happen has a better chance. It's not random. Because we're reminded over and over and over again until we finally pay attention. That's been my experience anyway. Evolution doesn't telegraph what the next creative leap will be. Our Stone Age ancestors had no skill at mathematics. There's a, a, a controversy going on and a discussion going on that the Neanderthal did not ha- know how to count. <clears throat> I could, if I were back in parochial school and Sister Angelo was asking me, I'd say, well, my uncle was a Neanderthal. What do you expect from me? I knew there was a reason. So Deepak, well, I want to share something from Dr. Holmes right now because it's on. If you don't have Dr. Holmes's um, um, "Living the Science of Mind," he's talking about the very same thing. It's a wonderful book, and in it there are pages of, and sometimes three or four pages of a certain um, addressing a certain issue. But on this particular page, page three thirty-nine, "Living the Science of Mind," he says, "Loose the consciousness." It is certain that none of us receive as much benefit from this science as we might. None of us tap into this science. We teach the science of mind, which seems very clinical. But it's really about the way our our thought impresses upon this infinite intelligence and idea. And with with the greater and greater uh, repetition of that idea, it starts to shift and change conditions in our lives as we start to embody the new idea. Loose the consciousness. It is certain that none of us receive as much benefit from this science as we might. We do not permit our consciousness to range in the field of greater possibilities. Just saying I allow my consciousness to range in the field of greater possibilities. What wants to happen here? Is this, what is the highest and best idea for my life? And it's ongoing. That's the beautiful thing. A certain time should be taken each day for the enlargement of consciousness. Each day for the enlargement of consciousness. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some ideas from Deepak's book that line up with this possibility, the enlargement of consciousness. And I'm going to, I'm going to use a practice today with you that I think is really val- valuable and powerful. And it's a powerful experience for us to do it together. This is done, Dr. Holmes continues, this is done by reminding our imagination that the field with which it deals with is limited. It is limitless. That mind is the creator and the sustainer. That mind is infinite, ever available, and always responsive to us. There should never be any sense of finality in our self-discovery. No matter how much good we experience today, we should expect more tomorrow. 
We should expect more tomorrow. That should be our expectation. Something wonderful is happening here. And, and this is wonderful. This day is wonderful. It is complete unto itself. You being here and, and us being together, this beautiful music, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And when we celebrate it, the paradox is when we celebrate this moment, when we're present with it, it just allows more of it to show up because it becomes our thought tendency. That's why gratitude is so important. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why celebration is so important. I love, I love David White when he talks about uh, Wordsworth and he says he's walking across the meadow and he sees, he, he sees the expanse out in front of him and he fell in love with his life. He fell in love with his future. How many of us are in love with our future? I was spending time over the last couple of weeks. I've been doing some work on a property that Laura and I are, are, are selling. And there's a guy that lives across the alley and he comes over every day and for about a half an hour he tells me about that the end is soon, that there's going to be solar flares and everything's going to get wiped out. And I finally just told him, I said, well, you know, I sure hope we don't break the momentum, but if we do, we do. I mean, what else can I say? But, but that conversation has been going on for years and years and years and years. It's because it's easy to predict the end. And so what he's doing, he's stockpiling stuff so he can survive. And I said to him the other day, just, you know, Don, just in case you are right, can I get your phone number? But it is interesting, and it is part of the consciousness of the planet. So, but I, I, I can't give a lot of energy to that because I love present moment, and I love looking forward, and I love celebrating this moment. There should never be any sense of finality in our self-discovery. No matter how good we experience today, we should expect more tomorrow. Expectancy always speeds progress. Anticipation of better yet to come helps to dissolve the overload of burdens which we now carry with us. So we do it because if I'm carrying that stuff with me, how can I possibly give birth to something new in my life? And I got news for you. Even if I've got it completely wrong, I'm living this way anyway. I mean, guys, I, you know, if the world were to end tomorrow, I'm going to do everything I can to the best of my ability to do my best till that point. Because I just can't buy into that and I can't support that. And I'm taking this consciousness with me, as are you. And I don't believe the end is imminent. We must learn to loose our consciousness. See, we attract, this is a great teaching. Thought precedes, consciousness precedes experience. Planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds. One of the things that we attract, which is very interesting, is we like people that like to control things. Do any of you like to control things? And why not control spirit too? Let's, not, let's set the intention, do our prayer, and work, 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 work. And it's all part of the process. But eventually we have to loose it. That's why we, we release the prayer. This or something better in my life. Let's release the prayer. Yes, I want to live a vibrant, healthy, happy life, but I'm going to release the prayer. It's this or something better. This is what Dr. Holmes taught. He didn't say control, micromanage our lives to the point where we just know everything's going to happen. If we can figure out our lives without Spirit's help, it's not a big enough idea. <clears throat> we must learn to loose our consciousness. Nothing is too good to be true. The kingdom of harmony is already an ever-present reality, but as far as we're concerned, it waits to be perceived. And only as much good can come to us as we mentally receive. We must increase our receptivity, continuously extend and expand our comprehension. We should declare a hundred times a day, and this is a beautiful affirmation, we should declare a hundred times a day, good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine. Say that with me. Good and more good is mine. And ever-increasing good is mine. And ever-increasing good is mine. There is no limit to the good which is mine. There is no limit to the good that is mine. Everywhere I go, I see this good. Everywhere I go, I see this good. I feel it. 
I feel it. I experience it. I experience it. It crowds itself against me. It crowds itself against me. Flows through me. Flows through me. Expresses itself in me. Expresses itself in me. And multiplies itself around me. And multiplies itself around me. Now I know that we're all busy and we have a lot of things to think about. But what if we did that a hundred times a day for 30 days? And then we did our testimonial Sunday. The beautiful, beautiful saying. It's from the science of mind. Living the science of mind. Page 339. It's at the very bottom. Loose the consciousness is the title. Deepak in his book talks about time. And he talks about the things that, that break us down time-wise. The things that can happen to us. Number one, he talk, and so he does a list. He does one, two, three, four, five, six things that, that contribute to the breakdown. That damage us. One is unpredictability, choosing irregular hours, working the night shift, going to sleep at different times, eating irregularly, drastically changing how you eat. All these choices are known to throw off the body's basic metabolic system and rhythms. And he continues. And I'm going to give you the to-dos. I'm going to give you the, the list. Maybe you can identify with some, maybe you don't. The next one is disorder and confusion. Choosing to procrastinate. Doubting, indecision, lack of organization, impulsiveness, slovenliness, or careless hygiene, lack of purpose, restlessness, drifting. These factors all create a state of external disorder that the body must cope with. The brain, the brain sends confusing signals about what to do, so the cells lack clear direction. The third one, accidents. Choosing to be inattentive, distracted, undisciplined, unfocused, self-destructive. Although some accidents are beyond our control, most result from a failure to pay attention. So it's, it's our lack of awareness in the moment, the present moment awareness. I shared with you, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, about this young boy that's been helping me. I hired this young man to help me uh, do some repairs on a property that Laura and I are preparing to sell. And on Monday, we were going to pour a sidewalk. And this young guy's name is Cole. And Cole is a, he is a, he's a perfect example of the ongoing chatter that can go on in the mind. And I love this guy. He's 19 years old. He's full of energy. He is a great worker. He's a great, great young man. And so around 1230, we poured poured this sidewalk, and Cole's a cement finisher, which is great, because I can do it, but I don't want to do it. And I needed help. So I brought, we brought him in for a day. He works for a contractor that I know, and I said, can I borrow Cole for the day? Well, about 1230, Cole realized that he had misplaced his keys, seven keys on the key ring. And so I said, well, let's just know we're going to find it. So I'm, in, I'm going right into spiritual mind treatment. The whereabouts of these keys are made known to us now. It's clear wherever they are, on and on and on. I'm doing this for, I'm, I'm in prayer all afternoon. And what Cole was doing was he was verbalizing his frustration. So he eventually went out in the back of the place, and I was inside working because I wanted to keep tracking, and I, and I just kept holding the high watch and praying and knowing the right things happening. And I kept hearing these screams and hollers. And every time he would scream or holler, I couldn't make it out, but I figured he's, he's celebrating finding the keys. This is great. And then about, I don't know, two hours of this go on, and all of a sudden two, two police cars show up, one from this direction and one from another direction. And the police officer walks up, and I go out to the front step, and I said, can I help you? And he said, well... Uh, we've had several reports in the neighborhood that someone seems to be in trouble, someone's hurting someone, there's some screaming going on. I said, just a minute. I went in the back, and I said, Cole, the officer would like to speak to you. And the officer said, what's going on? He said, well, I lost my car keys. And he said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. 
well, there's been a lot of hollering and screaming going on. And he said, yeah, I've been hollering and screaming because I'm so frustrated. So, and I kept praying the whole time. And then once the officer realized what was going on, he just laughed, very sweet. And I said, look, he's, just, he's been really upset and I've been letting him kind of do his thing because that's how he's processing. But I said, we'll, we'll tone it down. And what uh, I realized after about four hours of continuous spiritual mind treatment for the, the whereabouts of those keys to be known to us now, and after we had raked through the dirt and gone through everything he possibly could have done, um, I realized that his keys were now part of our sidewalk. <clears throat> they were in there. And they're still in there. And I said, Cole, we are not breaking this sidewalk out to get your keys back. But it was interesting. And at the end of the day, he was just so distraught. And I had to call a locksmith. Now, he has a, a, a classic automobile, a 1991 Oldsmobile or Pontiac Limited with 667,000 miles on it. And his theory at one point was that someone had snuck up while he was working and stole his keys. And I said, really, Cole? You got a car that's a 1991, 600 and some thousand miles on it, and someone actually came up and stole your keys? I said, the reality is you misplaced your keys. No one stole your keys. But the, so I called the locksmith. Turns out there's three different keys. For, there's one for the trunk, one for the door, one for ignition. I said, Cole, I'll buy an ignition key, but I'm not buying any of the other two keys. It was a pricey day. And then he felt terrible about that. And I said, look, I can help you. And everyone has lost their keys at some point in time. Just pull this back in, process it, get over it, and move on. And you'll probably never misplace your keys. You're a good kid. So I spent 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the day just validating him. Because he is a good kid. I said, you lost your keys. How many people have not misplaced their keys? I've lost stuff. But to, to, and I said, this experience is not you. And you've got a great heart. And you've got a great work ethic. And I'm delighted that you came and helped me and did such a beautiful job on the sidewalk. Even with your keys in there, it looks good. <laughs> but we have accidents. And it's lack of clarity. And he's such an open book with his, his thought process. You can hear it. There's no secrets with him. And then, of course, once this happened, he started to really hone in on himself. And, 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 and it's just interesting, and it's sad to watch. So what do we do in a situation like that? And so I just thought, well, you know what? This, time, this is time to show up in the world in a big way. Because it was, it was disappointing. It was a huge distraction. I called Laura actually in the morning. I said, man, we are getting all this work done. This is fantastic. Until about 12.30 when we lost the key, <laughs> keys. <laughs> anyway. Deepak, after accidents, he says, trauma and sickness, choosing unnecessary risk and dangers. Violence, choosing to be out of control, which was a bit of what Cole was doing. It was out of control. Unleashing anger and rage, refusing to understand your hidden hostilities, seeking revenge, dwelling on resentments. Any interruption of violence calls for an extreme reaction of your body. Firing up every cell to high alert. And that's true when we get in the anger. So there's ways to discharge it. And Deepak writes about that in this, in this chapter. And the last one, he talks about chaos, living in chaos. You know what that looks like. And there's a few paragraphs here on chaos. What he says about the things to do to make, it, to make time your ally, he said, Deepak gives a list here on page 95. The book looks like this. People in line on eyes. It's a yellow one. Reinventing the body, resurrecting the soul. Keep regular hours. Eat and sleep on a regular schedule. Avoid drastic changes in diet and activity. Set up an orderly work environment. Reduce distractions. Rest quietly once to twice during the day to let your body retune itself. Didn't Dr. Holmes say that? A couple times a day to re-engage the imagination, to have spiritual practice in our lives. 
Take yourself out of stressful situations sooner rather than later. Take your time. Don't rush. Make decisions when they arise. Don't procrastinate or get distracted. Pay attention to what is directly in front of you. Focus on one thing at a time. Don't multitask. Dividing your attention leads to confusion and weakened focus. Avoid the temptation to plunge into high-risk situations. That's why I don't understand why anybody would ever want to bungee jump. Why does anyone want to leave a nice, firm thing and jump off and hope that these great big rubber binders pull you back up in time? I'm sure there are many bungee jumpers here that love it, but... We... Stay within your comfort zone. Put your house and finances in order. Address underlying anxiety. Release your repressed anger. Learn to do without losing control or hurting others. Learning to do this without losing control or hurting others. Renounce violence in thought and word. Become more resilient emotionally. Eliminate chaotic influences at work and in your primary relationships. And live, live as if you had all the time in the world. Live as if you have all the time in the world. Just great, great suggestions and great stuff to work with. Wonderful things to work with. We have been going through a, a reintegration with our brothers and sisters in the United Centers for Spiritual Living. And Reverend Kathy Hearn is their spiritual um, leader. We have a president, they have a spiritual leader. And, and Dr. Kathy Hearn was um, an amazing woman. One of the things that, that that United Group talks about is impacting 100 million lives with our teaching. A hundred million lives, touching and impacting in a meaningful way. And so that's a huge charge. That's a huge call for us to do that. And I look at what we do as a community or the vibrancy of our community and how we can help support that because I think it's important. I love what we teach. I'm, I'm passionate about this teaching. I'm passionate about what it's done for me in my life and continues to do in my life and the life of my family. The people that are closest to me, I watch their lives. I was grateful to have this teaching the other day with Cole. And to be able to say to him, look man, this, this happened. Now let's do the best we can to move forward. And I don't want you to identify yourself with this. You're, you're a great guy. But without this teaching, I never, could have, I never would have said that. And so what I know about 100 million lives, how do we impact that? That's our call. How do we launch, how do we launch ministries? How do we take people? I look at Michael Beckwith's model at the Agape Church in Los Angeles. I can probably name 25 or 30 ministers that that center has launched. They're in Florida. They're all over the U.S. Amazing, amazing center. How do we do that? How do we launch ministers in, into their ministries? You know, who, who do we give birth to? How do you identify that talent and say, you know, you're ready to have your own community? And I think that's an opportunity. I look at people that have the ambition, that have the energy, because ministry is a call. So this place is a launching pad. We're not looking to hoard and hoard and hoard, because that just creates congestion. It's really about identifying talents and skills and launching people. And one, the other thing I love about this thing is we give birth to new ideas and new possibilities. How do we impact people's lives? How do we impact people's lives? I'm working with a wonderful book right now by Timothy Ferris called The 4-Hour Workweek. And on it, he has what he calls the new rich and the deferrers. And I think it ties in beautifully with what Dr. Holmes talked about. More and more and more is available. So I want to share with you a few of his ideas, which are beautiful. He says the deferrers, what the deferrers are, they're the group that save, save it all for the end, only to find that life has passed them by. Let's save and save and save and save and save. The new rich are characterized by options. So the deferrers, they work for the idea, the old idea, and this is a reflection of the shift in consciousness, they work for themselves. The new rich, 
as, he, as Timothy Ferris calls it, to have others work for you. The defers to work when you want to work, to work when you want to work. The new rich to prevent work to prevent work for work's sake and to do the minimum necessary for the maximum effect. To bring the best of yourself to something in a moment that allows the maximum. He calls it the minimum effect load. I've been using this. He has a book called The Four Hour Body. Laura and I have been using this, these principles. It's it's about doing the minimum amount of exercise with the maximum amount of benefit. And I'm telling you, it's phenomenal. As you can ask me about it some other time. It is amazing. But it's the same true with work. The defers, to retire early or young. You want to retire early or young? The new rich, to dis- distribute recovery periods, to distribute our recovery periods and adventures, many retirements throughout life on a regular basis, and recognize that inactivity is not the goal. It has never appealed to me that I'm, I'm going to gain all this knowledge and all this experience, and then one day I, I'm going to just quit. Why would you do that? And I love this idea. You create space in your life for breaks. All these wonderful breaks where you come back and you're refreshed and renewed. And it's not, it's not the goal is not inactivity. It's doing what excites you. Doing what excites you. Isn't that a neat idea? But most of the people I grew up watching got to a certain... My dad retired. He was dead within a few years because he stopped doing everything. Do the things that excite you. The defers to buy all the things you want to have. The new rich to do all the things you want to do and be all the things you want to be. If this includes some tools and gadgets, so be it. But they are either means to an end or bonuses, not the focus. Defers, to be the boss instead of the employee, to be in charge. The new rich, to be neither the boss nor the employee, but the owner. To own the trains and have someone else ensure they run on time. Defers, to make a ton of money. The new rich, to make a ton of money with specific reasons and defined dreams to chase. Timelines and steps included. What are you working for? We're teaching. If you want to know what's important to me, I've been teaching this Prosperity Plus class throughout this year. We're in our third unit. And this idea is we want everyone to have enough so that they can share their gifts. If you're struggling all the time with just meeting, making ends meet, you're not allowed to be the freedom and the space to give your gifts. That's the only reason for having stuff. It's not about hoarding money. It's for the freedom to do the things we're called to do and stay excited. I mean, if you haven't thought of it in those terms, start thinking about it, because it's true and it's possible. To have more, the defers, to have more. The new rich, to have more quality and less clutter. To have huge financial reserves, but recognize the most material wants are justification for spending time on the things that don't really matter, including buying things and preparing to buy things. You have spent two weeks negotiating your new infinity with the dealership, and you got $10,000 off. That's great. Does your life have a purpose? Does your life have a purpose? Are you contributing anything useful to this world or just shuffling papers, banging on a keyboard, and coming home to drunken existence on the weekends? I mentioned Laura and I are getting the, uh, this property ready to sell. And we're doing it because we, just want, we don't want the distraction anymore. It's a distraction. Every time somebody calls and says, hey, my, the dog ate my rent money. Again, okay, I'm done with it. I'm done babysitting. And I want, to, I want to focus our energy and our time on something that's more productive. I love this community, and I want to pour 100% of myself into that. And at the time we did that, it was right and perfect. But I, I'm not messing around like that anymore. The first, to reach the big payoff, whatever IPO, whether IPO, acquisition, retirement, or another pot of gold. The new rich to think big, but ensure payday comes every day. Cash flow first, big payday second. Defers to have freedom from doing what you dislike. 
the new rich, to have freedom from doing what you dislike, but also the freedom and resolve to pursue your dreams without reverting to work for work's sake. After years of repetitive work, you will often need to dig hard to find your passions, redefine your dreams, and revive hobbies that you let atrophy to near ex- extinction. I quit playing the guitar for 20 years. I played last week. When I'm playing the guitar, I'm in an energetic flow that it just feeds everything. It feeds my writing. It feeds everything I teach. It's just fascinating to watch. But I put it away for 20 years. And then it was a long conversation about picking it back up again. And I'm just so glad I did. The, elim- the goal is not to el- simply eliminate the bad, which does nothing more than leave you with a vacuum, but to pursue, it, pursue and experience the best in the world. So when you ask me why I'm passionate about this and why we're doing what we're doing, these are the things that, that spark the new idea, what I, the things I want to give birth to in my own life and, and share with you so that we can live in the freedom, we can share our gifts and our dreams and our goals and the things that, that add value to the world. Dr. Holmes said there should never be any sense of finality in our self-discovery. No matter how good we experience today, we should expect more tomorrow. Expectancy always speeds progress. So live in the expectancy. I wanted to share a practice. There's four practices in this, this uh, chapter by Deepak, getting back to Deepak. The first practice is quiet your internal dialogue. And, I'm, and in honor of Cole today, I thought we would do that one. The number, number two, I'll mention the other three, but I'm not going to do anything with them today. The number two is to discharge, discharge tension. It's on page 101. Number three is the purifying light. And number four is toning. But I'm going to invite you to join me in this short, I'm going to do a very short um, a guided process with you here. Quieting your internal dialogue. It's a simple way to contact the stillness that is a source of awareness. Let your breathing settle. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. Let your breathing settle. Just settle into your breathing. Pay attention to the center of your chest. As you inhale, let your consciousness settle into the syllable so, S-O. As you inhale, so. So on, inhale so, and exhale to the symbol hum, H-U-M, so hum. So, so on the inhale, hum on the exhale. So, you. Just settle into your breathing. Feel the air coolly enter your body, gently carrying this sound, feeling the air coolly leaving your body. So, whom, so whom. This is an ancient Indian mantra, but you can substitute it with I am, amen, or om, and the result will be the same. you to come back to the room gently, take your time. And Deepak recommends that we continue to do this for 10 to 20 minutes. This simple meditation releases the mind from its incessant chattering. Three things may distract you, outside noises, sensation in your body, and distracting thoughts. When you notice any of these, just easily return to breathing on the sound, so, 
Om, or your mantra. Don't try to maintain a rhythm. Don't try to hypnotize yourself. This is an exercise in allowing the mind to find its own natural silence and effortless focus. Simple practice. Simple practice, but it's so easy to forget when we, when we leave here. I know for myself. You know, there's a lot, there's so much that needs to get done. And yet, when I know that when I'm doing the, my practices, everything gets done with such grace and ease. You know, even standing with a 19-year-old in, a, in a, just a, a meltdown over an incident, you can stand in the clarity and not spin and collapse into it with him. We must, Dr. Holmes, from this, this quote I wrote, read to you earlier today, we must learn to loose our consciousness. Nothing is too good to be true. Nothing is too good to be true. The kingdom of harmony is already an ever-present reality, but as far as we're concerned, it waits to be perceived, and only as much good can come to us as we mentally receive. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said it another way, the kingdom of heaven is upon the face of the earth, and we do not see it. So awakening is awakening that perception, so we see it. One another in the world. There's a lot of things happening in the world. Like this fella coming over to me, it's just perfect. He, it's like I've drawn this fella to my experience to tell me that, you know, we're going to have a solar flare and then all we're going to be able to do is drive around in steam engines and uh, donkeys and horses. And he's convinced. But the point is, is that we have the opportunity to focus our energy wherever we choose. So time is, time is about our opportunity with time is slowing it down. And so we can continue to evolve is this right here, being. And then when we bring that awareness to this continuum, notice the symbol, the symbology. This is the cross. This is the symbol of the cross. This is from heaven to earth. This is the being, the present moment awareness. And this is the time continuum. And when we bring this to this, Beautiful stuff happens. And so it is. Blessings.